Welcome to another episode of Only Four Words Podcast with Karen and Melanie. Uh, We are wrapping up our stories and in the next couple of weeks we're going to start doing some interviews and so we hope that you will stay tuned for that. We hope that you enjoy this episode and as always, uh, neither Melanie and I are doctors, so the advice that we give is anecdotal. If you do have a medical question, please consult your doctor. Enjoy the episode. Yeah, let's and talk about meeting over a cocktail of alcohol. I mean, yeah. that's a good place to start because that's where we met. Yeah. Okay, let's do that. So um, let's see. I think I started Taxol in June of 2020. And uh, when did you start? You were about five weeks, I think, ahead of me. Yeah, I was at least two doses ahead of you. Yep. So, and I had, I had my ice. I think I had my, yeah, I did. I full on had my gloves and um, socks by that time. Yes. And actually I remember the first time you came in and sat in the chair next to me because we just had those two chairs facing Mm -hmm. the windows, which I always like to sit facing the windows. And you sat down in the chair next to me and I noticed that it looked like, you know, we were having the same treatment and I thought, you know, I kind of, I kind of thought about it. I was like, Hmm, interesting, but I'm never one to start a conversation. <laughs> like I'm always the one I'm happy to talk if somebody else starts it, but I will very rarely, even if it's, I'm just funny about it. I'm a goofball. And so I remember looking over and being curious. And of course you had Mark there and he was bringing in your cooler of ice and then leaving because we weren't allowed to have people in there. And, um, I feel like you feel like the first time I noticed you there, you had something going on with your port. It was, was it the port or was the, or was I having a reaction? I thought it was when I, cause they, when I was having that reaction and they uh, had me pull my mask down and they were thinking that they were going to have to send me to the hospital. Yep. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. And so because I, was, I remember I, it being like to the, to the meds. I remember wondering about, you know, as having the same treatment, because like you said, I was, you know, two or three in and I was just cruising through it. And so then you come in and, you know, yeah, I, you were bald. I was bald. Yeah. Yep. And so I just remember thinking because I've actually, the first time I had chemo, I had a woman sit in that chair. I've always sat in that chair. I don't anymore, actually. Um, mm-hmm. But I always sat over there so that I could look out the windows. And I had a woman sit there before and she was very sick and we were having, I mean, she looked at me and she goes, oh, you must be stage one, huh? And I said, no, I'm stage four. And she was shocked. She's Mm -hmm. like, I'm stage, I can't remember if she said stage one or two, but she said she was so sick that she couldn't take care of her grandson who she had custody of and just, you know, very sick, all the time sick. And so it was a complete divergence from the experience that I was having, which is the same for you and I. Like, I remember looking over there and seeing you so sick and just thinking, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) Why, Why am I not experiencing these things? You know, it's not so much why are you experiencing it? But why aren't I? Yeah. It can't just be the positive attitude because you and I both have a positive attitude. Yeah. But somehow I've, I've really never had side effects. And it's, I make a joke of it now when they're like, how are you feeling? Are you having this? Are you having that? I'm like, no, I just kind of don't believe in side effects. So I don't have them. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of how it started for me with the adriamycin and cytoxin, right? I didn't know I was supposed to be sick, so I didn't get sick. But which I'm sure isn't why. I mean, I don't, I honestly don't know why I don't have those. To go back one step, 
I think it's important to say, you know, even though we both had the adromycin and then uh, cytoxin and then then uh, went on and did the taxol, it completely depends on your type of cancer. It depends on everything. Not everybody has those. And so um, it, it, it depends on where you are in your journey and what type of cancer you have. And if you're going to have mastectomy, if you're not going to have mastectomy, there's so many different factors that weigh into what you get for, for chemo treatments and radiation as well. And so, you know, that's, that's another thing that, that we will talk about is, you know, we, we saw a specialist, I did not end up having to have any kind of radiation. That's right. And you had not had your mastectomy yet, correct? Right. See, so I, I had did... taxol after my mastectomy. And mine was, was exactly opposite. Yep. And so I had a lumpectomy that uh, when they did the lumpectomy, they found an invasive tumor in the middle of it. So that meant that we went straight to chemo and then we did the mastectomy at the end. Yours was at the beginning, right? Yeah. So uh, when I had my recurrence in January 2020, they found a one centimeter tumor back in the right breast, which is where everything had started. But it was because it was during COVID, it took me several months to get, I went to Fred Hutch for a second opinion. And I was an existing patient there because I also went there for a second opinion after I was originally diagnosed. It's usually covered by insurance. And I encourage people, if they have any questions or any concerns to seek a second opinion, your doctor should not be upset about that. They should be fine with that because we're allowed to. And so I did. But it was several months before I got an appointment there. And by the time I saw the surgeon and they did a new PET scan for restaging, which is preparing for the surgery, that tumor had grown to four centimeters. And so not only was it moving fast, but I mean, so because it was moving fast, I needed I needed the mastectomy quickly. Mm -hmm. And so essentially, you know, I'd gone in the whole time thinking, oh, it's a lumpectomy, no big deal. Like, you know whatever. And then I think it was just a couple of weeks before surgery because they were restaging and they called and said, you know, you've got a four centimeter tumor and that means mastectomy. And I always consoled myself by saying, oh, well, I'm going to get that boob job I always wanted. <laughs> I mean, that's literally how I got through it. And I made a post like a couple of days before and I had named the girls Rita for right ta-ta. <laughs> Lolita for lonely left Tata <laughs> and Anita for a new Tata. <laughs> so, I mean, I was doing my best to make it as, you know, irreverent as possible. <laughs> yep. I did not wind up going to, I decided not to have reconstruction. And it was a decision that I had to make before surgery because reconstruction if you're going to have implants they have to spare some skin and they have to put in what are called expanders to then stretch that skin so that you have room for an implant in there and they told me that and they also told me that the expander could impact the efficiency of the radio radiation and I didn't want to take any chance on that. Like I'm stage four already. And I just wanted to do everything I could to fight this cancer. And the goal was mastectomy, chemotherapy, radiation. I would be cancer free with a 10% chance of recurrence. Right. So I wasn't, I was not playing with the odds. So I elected to 
forego implant. Of course, I still have the option of a deep flap reconstruction where they take the fat from your belly and turn it molded into a breast, which they literally attach by blood vessels. And it's an eight hour surgery. So it comes with its own set of um, possible complications from the anesthetic for that long. And then every single blood vessel has to be properly attached because if one fails, the whole thing can fail and then you have to have it removed anyway. Right. So I met with the surgeon about two weeks after surgery. I could not in any way imagine having another breast surgery ever again in my life, let alone having one and then having a like 20% chance of it failing. And so I decided not to have reconstruction. So I went right from, let's see, I had my mastectomy May 2020. I started chemo in June 2020. And then they gave me a little breather in between chemo and radiation, maybe 30 days. And then I had 30, 33 zaps of radiation to my chest wall. So the first 25 were normal, I guess, normal strength radiation. And then the last eight, no, I had, I think I had 28 regular zaps and five super zaps, which is a very concentrated amount. And that's when I started to have the side effects from radiation, like the really bad burning and the skin peeling and all that kind of stuff. But otherwise, I again, I went through radiation without a lot of side effects. I worked right through it. And by the time that we had gotten to the the radiation specialist and he realized kind of what the journey journey that we were on, because mine was lumpectomy, then uh, chemo, then mastectomy. He just said it just didn't seem like, especially since we were doing the mastectomy, the full mastectomy, that there was going to be any reason for radiation. We looked at the odds and he gave us all of the statistics and we went home with pages and pages and pages and pages of stuff to look at and read and all of those things. Things. And so we made the choice then, you know, that that we would not do uh, not do the radiation. And I, like you, chose not to do reconstruction. And mine is, you know, I'm I'm 55 years old. If I was you know, if I was single, if I was young, if I was, you know, still having babies, I had been sliced and diced and I had been through so many surgeries and so much stuff. And I, the idea of, like you said, going under anesthesia again for that long, going through another set of, you know, another round of putting the spacers in and doing all of those things and going through step, those steps just sounded utterly exhausting to me after having the mastectomy. And so I just, I chose not to do that as, as well. And I think it would be different if, uh, if I was younger or if I was single or, you know, if I was, you know, thinking of still having children or, you know, something like that, I think it would be different. Right. I've also, you know, married a really long time. I've been married for 32 years to, to my husband. So we've seen each other, you know, good, bad, ugly, all of it, right. <laughs> all of it. He did like, he looked at me like I was like any different or, or anything like that. Right. And so we chose that same thing. And I... To tell you the truth, I I went round and round with him several on, on several occasions. And my husband is very black and white. He's very linear. He's very um, logical. He's very, he just, you know, there's a bottom line and, you know, what, what basically 
give it to me in bullet points and tell me how much it's going to cost and what do we do? Right. That's you know, basically is how that, that's his thought process. And so this was such an emotional thing. And, and it's, it's, it's a little bit outside of his comfort zone. So, you know, talking to him about reconstruction, he just kept saying, you know, this is your decision. This is your body and your decision. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, you know, but I kept saying, but it's not just my decision. This is, you've got to be involved in this too, because this does, whether you like it or not, affect you. Right. And so it was, it, it was an interesting conversation for us to have in that um, he just kept putting it off on me and saying, you know, I'm, I'm happy to do whatever you want to do. You want to do reconstruction? We'll do reconstruction. You don't want to do reconstruction? I am more than happy. I, you know, whatever it is, I'm not looking at you any different. I still love you. You're still sexy. You're my wife. I love you. All of those things. But it still wasn't. He just kept saying it's your decision. And so to 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 kind of get him to come over a little, just a little bit to the emotional side of things and and really talk about what it meant, then, you know, it, it, it was, it, that was a really hard conversation for him to have. Yeah. And so, um, so we ended up, you know, we, I, I say we made it together. It was a decision that I felt was right for me. And, and my husband supported me in that. Um, and so I know that, you know, there's a, there are a, an awful lot of women out there feel like they need to go through that to please their partner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if I had any advice and, you know, maybe this is going to be unpopular and I don't know if people are maybe not going to like this, but please, 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 please don't do that. Right. If you're going to do it for somebody else, don't do it. It's not, it is not worth going through what you're going to have to go through. Now, if you want to do it for you, and you want to do it because you want to feel bold and sexy and fantastic again and all of those things, then by all means, go through, you know, do it. Well, um, and I think I'm, that anybody, you know, the important I'm, I'm thing just, that people need to know about reconstruction is that no matter which option you go, they do not look like you expect them to look. You will not have a nipple. You may not be shaped the same. Right. Um, your breasts may not be even. They it's not a boob job. No, no, it's not. It's not going, and you're I not going to look like one of the girls in the Playboy Man. Right. And I think people go into it thinking that it's going to be like a boob job. Yep. And it's, it's not. Nope, it's not. And I talked to a woman in the chemo suite one time and she had, she had large breasts and I didn't. And so I was like, yeah, no, I, I did not have mastectomy. And I showed her, like, I'm not above showing people, especially now that I've got a badass tattoo on there. I don't care. I'll show people. Yeah. And so I showed her what it looked like. And she's like, yeah, I don't think that's an option for me because I have large breasts. And I'm like, I, I mean, I could see that to some extent, but the reality is, is I find my prosthetic to be more realistic than what some of the reconstruction I've seen is. Of course, it kind of doesn't matter what you put in your bra because from the outside, it just looks the same. And we, we knew that from being teenagers and stuffing toilet paper in there, right? right. <laughs> but, but you're never going to look the same naked. So it's just something to keep in mind. Like if you're feeling insecure about your body now, you must make peace with that because you're Absolutely. not going to look the same at the end. So it's not a boob job. It's reconstruction. Right. It's the best they can do with what they have to work with. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> my husband being my husband, who's 
a little bit sarcastic and irreverent. Um, it was the night before surgery and the night before the, the double mastectomy. And, and so I said, okay, this is it. This is your last opportunity. You got to say goodbye to the girls. <laughs> so, so the next, the next day when I went into it, uh, uh, went into uh, surgery and was put, they were prepping me for surgery. And so I, I undressed, I put my gown on and the nurse looked at me and goes, are those hickeys? Ah! <laughs> I said, yep. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. What they must have thought when those made it to the lab for, for you know, to the science lab. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh, I wonder what they thought. Oh, that's hilarious. All right, Tom, we got a new set coming in. Let's start testing. Whoa, hey. <laughs> that's funny. I love it. That's great. Hey, so, um, so I had a single mastectomy and you had a double. Right. Did you have the option of only having a single? No, because when they found the um, the lump in the left side, we immediately talked about, you know, the, having a mastectomy, mm-hmm. having only one side. Right. And then when I started chemo, then because they found that invasive tumor sort of right in the middle of that mass, the oncologist had called me in and she said, I just really don't like this. And I would like you to go and get a guided MRI on the right side, because I'm just, I want to make sure that the mammogram didn't miss something. So I went in and did that. And it was lucky that we did that uh, because when they, um, uh, when that came back, they had found another tumor, and that one was uh, a second primary tumor that was in my right side. So it wasn't; it had not metastasized, meaning it had not spread from the left side to the right side. It actually was a a completely separate cancer that was growing. Wow. And one one of the tumors was lobular, and one was tubular. So they were even in in different places and growing different in in different ways. Yeah. And, uh, so at that point, then um, it, it became it became pretty clear that the only option was going to be um, was going to be double mastectomy. And because it was it was small, but they were they were very they were con- definitely concerned about it. And so even though, um, you know, they said there's a there's a chance that chemo might actually, you know, take care of this. Right. And, you know, that it might be, uh, you know, the right side where they might not even be able to see it. But there's also a chance that if it if it doesn't, that, you know, I would have I would have a, you know, left side mastectomy and then turn right around. And in a few in a few years, we'd have to do the same thing on the right side. Right. And okay. so, yeah, it was just like, you know what, it, it's not even it's not even worth worrying about. And it's not worth saying every time I had a twinge or every time something came up saying, you know, oh my God, is it back? Right. You know, so, so at that point then, um, because the, the surgeon actually said, he said, you know, there, there's a good chance that the right side might be okay. Yeah. Chemo might take care of it. Right. Okay. But when he says there's a good chance, that doesn't mean there's a guarantee that that's what's happening. Yeah. And I didn't want to go through all this all over again. Well, and it's interesting too, because um, the final restaging right before surgery, they actually found a spot in my left breast. 
And so, you know, the whole time everything's been happening on the right side. And all of a sudden, I mean, minutes before surgery, not literally, wow. minutes, but right before surgery, they find a spot on the left side. And so they do an ultrasound on it and they're like, you know, we can't be sure. So they did a biopsy. And fortunately, the biopsy came back and said that it was not cancer. But wow. I mean, yeah, it almost I almost had the same thing happen but they were able to quickly identify that it wasn't cancer. And so I didn't have the left. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know in the end if it's better or worse that I have one. I mean, I would say to some extent, there isn't necessarily a benefit to having the one. And I'm actually a little surprised that they didn't, because I am stage four, didn't just say kind of the same thing let's just take it off mm -hmm. but there was never any conversation about taking the other one off hmm. interesting yeah so um i don't know but here we are i mean three almost four years out from surgery and i haven't ever had any activity in the left side so i don't know i mean hopefully that continues to be true you know right um, yeah but yeah, Definitely. I just, so, so, you know, just so different. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so let's, let's take one step back and, um, you know, we both had the, the adromycin and the, the cytoxin, which is the, the bad stuff. They, they, they call it the red Kool-Aid. Mm -hmm. uh, and then how long was it between that and the taxol and was taxol an immediate thing that, that it was, there was no question that you were going to do taxol after the, after the AC or was there a question of doing something else or, and, and how long in between those? So I, the first cancer drug I ever took was tamoxifen and that was, you know, um, I didn't have a lot of side effects with it. It was, it was fine. A couple little nitnoid irritating things, but mostly I didn't have any problem with it. The problem occurred when I went back to see after six months to see if it was working or not. And it, it, it did work. Like my original tumors were gone, but like you at the same time, I grew new tumors mm. because of those new tumors. Boom. We went straight into chemotherapy. So I had adriamycin and cytoxin starting in, I want to say March of 2014. And then, and I had six rounds of it one round every three weeks. Um, come June of 2014, it showed, the scans showed I was in remission. So that meant that the cancer was being medically treated. It was reducing. The tumors were reducing. In October 2014, I was no evidence of disease. And I stayed with Ned until January of 2020. Okay. So almost six years of no evidence of disease, like not just remission, but nothing, not a speck. Then all of a sudden, January, 2020, along comes the one centimeter tumor in my breast. We never talked about doing um, chemo first. I think just because, because, you know, the, the concept before about doing chemo first is that it can reduce or remove the tumor. Mm -hmm. But I think right. because the original plan was to do lumpectomy, we were going to do chemotherapy anyway. That was going to be the natural course of things is we're going to go and we're going to remove this tumor. Lumpectomy means remove, you know, only the tumor, try to get a clean margin. But then I was still going to do chemotherapy, probably just because I'm stage four. Right. So I had the surgery, you know, I did the healing. They gave me a little grace period between 
having the surgery and starting chemotherapy, the weird thing that happened to me is that my oncologist had left Vista. So the oncologist that I'd been with from the beginning had left Vista. And I was kind of doing um, everything at Fred Hutch. But I couldn't get a hold of the oncologist there to have her start my chemo. She'd told me I could do it down here. Like that was something we'd already talked about was doing it in Olympia at the oncologist that I'd been going to. I was transferred over to Dr. Juan when Dr. Grouse left. And so I was set up here to do it down here. So I didn't have to drive to Seattle to get the treatments. But the oncologist up there, like I talked to the surgeon, but I never heard from the oncologist to actually start chemotherapy. So I finally reached out to Vista Oncology and I said, hey, I'm supposed to start chemotherapy following this surgery. And it hasn't been ordered up there. And so they said, okay, well, we'll order it. And so they did. And I started chemotherapy down here in June of 2020. And I've just kind of stayed down. I bounce back and forth between them. Um, I actually have appointments with, with my local doctor here monthly. And then I have appointments up at Fred Hutch every three months. Mm, okay. So, I mean, it was just, and we knew we were going to do that. It was always going to be remove the tumor, chemo, and then radiation was kind of, maybe we would, maybe we wouldn't. But then um, after I had my mastectomy, they found cancer in my lymph nodes. So mm -hmm. they took what they call the sentinel lymph nodes, which are the first couple lymph nodes. And they took three and all of them had cancer in them. Mm. So, okay. Yeah, then I had to have, because of that, I had to have the whole body treatment of chemo, and then we followed up with the radiation because the intent was that I would be cancer-free with a low possibility of recurrence. Gotcha. So now, how long between the adromycin and the taxol? Uh, six years. Six years. So you had yours, so, and you had six rounds of the adromycin. Yeah. So I only had four rounds. They, they gave me four. And then, um, and then we had a little bit of a break. It was a, a very short break and then immediately went into the Taxol. And then the Taxol, I was supposed to have um, 12. And by the time we got to number 12, I was, I was weak enough that I needed help walking and I was, you know, I was not doing well by that time. And my, my, uh, my immune system was just absolutely at zero. And so, um, so when the 12th one rolled around, then um, uh, Dr. Schwann said, no, I'm not even going to give that one to you. You've had enough You've had, I think, I think this would do more harm to you than it would good. And so, uh, so we're not going to give you that last one. Yeah. And so they, they ended up not giving me that one. And, um, but for me, the, um, the break, you know, the break just sort of allowed me to, to gain a little energy back um, and kind of, kind of just get over things just a little bit and then uh, get over a little hump there before we started Taxol. And, and then the, the Taxol, what I had heard about Taxol, um, one of the nurses there had given me some research on the Taxol, uh -huh. and she had given me a um, research study that said that some of the side effects were um, uh, neuropathy in the hands and feet, yep. uh, uh, losing fingernails, 
some of you know some uh, the the pain, uh, numbness, tingling, uh, those kinds of things were 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 um, side effects of the taxol. But that there was a study, it was a small study, but there was a study that had been done that cryotherapy made a difference in uh, the neuropathy and might even actually make a difference in in saving some some fingernails. And so. Yep. Uh, so that's we we studied that and went um, went online and believe it or not you can buy um, uh, you can buy gel packs at, for cryotherapy and gloves and socks on Amazon and so yep we we ordered a set and uh, we got the cooler and you have to keep them you have to rotate through and the way that that it works is you sit down and when they start the drip you do the put the gloves on and you put the gel packs in there and then you put the socks on and you put the gel packs in there and as long as that drip is going you need to have um, the frozen gel packs on your hands and on your feet. And so we had a couple, we only had um, I think a couple of, of them. And so we just kept rotating through those um, for the duration of the time that the, the tax all was going on. And then you and I met Yep. And when you left, then you gave me your gloves and, and your, um, uh, your socks so that I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I could continue to rotate through those, those frozen, uh, the frozen packs. Yep. And, um, and so, well, and, and the interesting thing about my mitts and boots was that I did not have them from Amazon in time for my first treatment. So Amanda went on Facebook and said, Hey, does anybody have any ice packs that my mom can use? She starts chemo today and she, her mitts and boots didn't arrive in time. And so there were several people that donated um, like gel packs to me and I literally took them and strapped them to my feet and wrapped them around my hands for my first treatment. I did not know that. Yeah. So um, I think either, I want to say maybe my mitts showed, but my socks didn't. And so I think I might've been able to wear the mitts, but I literally like strapped ice to my feet for my first treatment oh because i had gotten the same information probably from the same person at vista yeah. to help with the you know um neuropathy and everything and so i knew i was getting them they were a little bit expensive but not too bad for what we were doing with them and so yeah. i wound up buying i think i wound up buying two sets of each but um yeah then you came in and you had a set and I remember giving mine to you and then you said, well, what do you want me to do with these when I'm done? And I was like, I don't know. And so you talked to the uh, medical assistant and she said she could find someone who could use them. And so we just donated both back to the clinic. Yep, absolutely. And she found somebody who was um, having, a, who was struggling financially a little bit. And so they, they went to somebody who, uh, who would not have, have been able to afford to, to, to buy either, you know, maybe one or, or maybe not at all. And um, so it's interesting because there was a woman in there before I met you, the same one that I talked to about reconstruction and she um, was not using ice. Like she, I think they were giving her just ice packs in the clinic, some that they had. And I saw her one day and she had band-aids on every single finger from her fingernails falling off. 
Wow. So, I mean, I still have a little bit of neuropathy, like the tips of my fingers are numb and my hands often get achy and tingly. Um, my fingernails and toenails, they look horrible, like they're discolored and things. So, I mean, I, I suffered some impacts from that and maybe from some other medications I've been on, but I definitely did not experience what she was experiencing. And so I think the ice helped a great deal. I think so too, because I had very little neuropathy in my feet. Um, I would get these, uh, Mark would just, he would come and just rub my feet because I would get these stabbing pains in my feet, but it would, they wouldn't last very long and then they would, and then they would go away. And so I, and I didn't, didn't have that, that duration, duration wasn't very long either. Um, So I believe that that absolutely helped. And then as far as I never lost any fingernails, they got to be very paper thin and they were not, (laughs) they were pretty awful for a while. Um, But I didn't lose any. And um, I had, I had one, my thumb that actually just split right down the middle, all the way to the quick. Mark, um, Mark took super glue and, and just put seam and just put a little seam down the middle. And so we just literally did super glue until that that grew all the way out. And so that was the only bad effect that I had from that. And then I'm like you, it took a long time. I still have just in the very tips of my fingers have a little bit of numbness and and tingling, but I think it could so much worse. Yeah, I, I think so. And actually I had a friend that, I don't know if she had tactile or not, but something, some treatment she had had, one of the side effects was neuropathy. And I told her after the fact, I'm like, you know, if you were to wear ice during that, and she, she said nobody told her that, but her mm-hmm. hands and feet bothered her so much all the time. And so, yeah, I think we were lucky. I think we were too. And that was, and, and that that particular nurse just happened to, you know, be a good advocate for that and and you know that reading those studies and and staying up on stuff mm-hmm. uh, and so and I was at that point I was willing to try I'd try anything yeah and that's I was and I I'm one of those that I there are very few things in life that I hate like loathe uh more than being cold right <laughs> So what they did was, uh, on, and and I know they did this for you as well, but they would put these frozen gel packs. We had these mitts and and they, these frozen gel packs, and the socks and these frozen gel packs, and then they piled heated blankets on top of us yeah. <laughs> so to keep us warm. Yep. Yep. So that was. Uh... That was a heck of an experience. But, you know, it is interesting that you did adriamycin and cytoxin and then immediately followed by Taxol. And I had a huge break in between. All I did for treatment for those six years was um, hormone therapy. Interesting. Yeah. So I went in once a month and I got a shot, two shots. I got Fulvestrant and Eligard. And then, um, and that's all I did. And actually that's another thing that doctors are amazed by, like that I could at stage four, that I could stay in remission to the, to the extent of no evidence of disease off of just hormone therapy. But originally my cancer tested so high for hormone receptors that, I mean, literally, so long as I wasn't making hormones, it wasn't growing and that's changed some. 
that's something else that people may not know is that even though you have the same cancer, it, it changes. Cancer is smart and it will adapt itself to the conditions. And so where I used to test at a hundred for both estrogen and progesterone, I now only test at like 95 for estrogen and not for progesterone at all. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So now here's another weird thing. So your first chemo drug was tamoxifen. Yep. So what they did for me was at the end of everything, that's when they put me on the tamoxifen. Uh, I hated it. It was horrible. I just, I have not had, I've not had good luck with it. Um, but we tried almost every other drug that's in that class. And again, you know, me being me, I reacted to badly to all of them. So tamoxifen ended up being the one that I reacted the least to. So they, um, they actually ran a test and um, you're, you can talk to your doctors about this test, but they ran a test to find out what my um, recurrence rate would be at five years. Mm-hmm. I think the percentage rate would be at 10 years. And so they, um, they believe that after five years that I probably won't have to stay on um, on the tamoxifen any longer than the five years. Great. Yeah. So, um, so that's, so that was one, so that's, you know, definitely wonderful. So, um, so at the five years, so we've got about two and a half years to go. Uh, and so I'm, I'm going to tough it out and, and, uh, and stay on the tamoxifen. And I know that, you know, some people say it's the, the, if the recurrence rate for yours, you, you really have to get educated about that and find out what the differences are in the, you know, staying on it and what that means. And then in five years, what that, what that percentage is because tamoxifen, the type of cancer that I had, tamoxifen actually will cut my chance of recurrence um, in half. Yeah it's worth it to be on it. Um, not, you know, not to ever have to go through what we went through again in, yeah. ever in my, life. um, and so, you know, so it's definitely worth it to be on it, but, um, but everybody has to get you, you know, get educated about that because, because it doesn't, you know, if, if it makes a 10% difference or a 5% difference or, you know, something, then, then, you know, talk with your doctors, find out what those percentage, what those actual percentage rates are. Right. And, and then you can make that decision about, um, about staying on it, uh, on that drug. Yeah. Well, and that, I mean, that's an interesting thing that I've had lately. So I give cancer patients free rides to treatment through the American Cancer Society Road to Recovery Program. Mm-hmm. And I have a client that I've been picking up for the last several weeks. And she, on Friday, she told me that she decided to stop having chemotherapy. And the week prior when I picked her up, she said that she had, um, she refused radiation one day. So she's doing chemo and th- radiation at the same time. She has a different cancer than us. Um, but I feel like chemo and, th- chemo and radiation at the same time is a lot for your body. So yeah, chemotherapy and then didn't feel strong enough to walk over to the other side and get radiation. And so she declined radiation just that day. And they were very nervous she was going to stop having chemotherapy. But between the two appointments that I took her to, she wound up in the hospital for four days. Mm. She had pneumonia and she had some blood clots 
in her lungs. So some sort of pulmonary thing. And, um, she said, you know, I'm not doing the chemotherapy anymore. So she's still mm-hmm. going for a radiation, not doing chemotherapy. And I said, you know, I, it has to be a personal choice. Like that's, I understand that your doctor's office is concerned about you not doing chemotherapy because of, you know, and I don't know everything about her cancer, but I know that, you know, if that's the choice she made, then that's the choice she makes. Right. And then the next day on Saturday, I met a woman more newly diagnosed, but she had decided that she didn't want the hormone therapy because it made her sick. Mm. And so she had told her doctor, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. And I think, you know, it's a decision we have to make. There is one medication, Ibrantz, that I took that I did not feel well on. Like, I don't know what it did to me, but I just felt like I was sick all the time. And they gave it to me once and I didn't like it. And I stopped taking it and I told them I'm not taking it again. And then after um, radiation, I believe, maybe it was after my brain tumor. I don't remember. Anyway, there was a second time where they tried to put me back on Ibrance again. And I said, I'll give it a try. But I tried it for like two weeks and I was still having it. It made me sick. Mm. And they're like, well, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I just, I don't feel well all the time. I'm getting sore throats. I'm getting, you know, cold like symptoms. I'm tired. Like it makes me feel sick all the time. And so I'm not taking it. And I, I mean, I just, I feel like that's something important to share with people that the treatment has to suit you. Right. Because we also can't consider it living life if we're not actually living life. Right. Your quality of life yep. has to be there. Yep. It has. To, yeah. And, and so, so we'll see what, if, you know, the Tamoxifen, we're going back on it now. And so we're, you know, trying to see if we can mitigate some of the, uh, some of the reactions that I was having. And, uh, and so it's only, it's, it's, it's two and a half years, but I feel like the percentage when they're talking about cutting it in half is worth it for right. me to, uh, you know, to be on it. Yeah. So, well, I hope they can manage your side effects. I think that's something that they're getting better and better at is yes. making sure that we have, you know, some quality of life. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, so, Talking with talking about Taxol, okay. And so you and I, so so we met while we were both doing Taxol. You were about five weeks ahead of me, so I was kind of watching you as you know as as things were progressing with you. So out of out of everything, you did you did not have a whole lot of side effects. But what was the weirdest side effect that you had? I honestly didn't. I didn't really have side effects. I wasn't nauseous. I wasn't fatigued. I wasn't, I, I don't remember having anything. I think possibly I lost my sense of taste. Oh, that's what, that's what I was going to say. I couldn't for like weeks. Yeah. Everything tastes like wax. Yep. And I would get so excited about eating my favorite something and I'd take a couple bites of it and it tasted like nothing. Yep. And I'm like, okay. And I think I lost like 20 pounds. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, look at you. You're so slim and trim. And I'm like, yep, it's not the diet for everybody, but it works. (laughs) (laughs) So if there's something you can do to where food just tastes like nothing, you will lose weight because I literally would crave these meals and, you know, either we'd go out to dinner or Amanda would cook for me or whatever. And I'd finally get it in front of me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been looking forward to this. And I'd take a couple bites of it and it tasted like nothing. Yeah. Literally nothing. 
And you wouldn't think I'd have lost weight because what that did is make me want to eat a lot of junk food. Mm. But it didn't taste like anything either. So, yeah, I think that was the only, really the only side effect I had. And it didn't turn out to be negative because I didn't miss that 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I was like you. That was just like the closest thing I can liken it to was when we were kids, there were these little wax like coke bottles yes bit the heads off and then you drank what was inside and then you chewed on the chewed on the wax yep. that's that's how everything tasted was just that waxy and there was it was like there was a film in my mouth yep and it was just waxy film and i just hated it so my poor husband who does not like anything spicy was cooking me stuff and i kept going oh yeah more tabasco sauce more spice more, more- <laughs> just put stuff in it so I could actually taste something and so he would be like yeah I'm just gonna eat a bowl of cereal because (laughs) he couldn't stand to eat what I was eating but it was like I had to have something that had some taste to it right so that was really I think that was the weirdest side effect uh, that I had through you know through it all yeah yep it was really unpleasant and it's funny because then people were that was one of the complaints when people were having covid was oh i you know i lost my sense of taste and i'm like been there done that like no (laughs) and it's not pleasant actually (laughs) no it is definitely not because then you're then what you're doing is you're chasing that you're you're chasing taste you're chasing something because it's like you have muscle memory and your your brain remembers what a taco tastes like and it doesn't there's this disconnect when you bite into that taco and it doesn't taste like anything yeah it's it's the weirdest feeling and the weirdest this you know your your brain just doesn't know what to do with that yep nope that's exactly it it was like oh this is gonna be so good oh it tastes like nothing right (laughs) yeah you're absolutely right might as well not even eat it i mean i don't remember having perfectly normal appetite because if i did i'd have probably eaten it anyway yeah but since nothing tastes like anything it was like okay well i'm not going back for seconds right (laughs) right and didn't want to finish anything yeah i that was the thing. It was like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll take a couple of bites because I've got to get something in me, but I'm not interested in actually finishing anything. Right. So, okay. So once that was done, then you had Taxol and then after Taxol, then you had your radiation, yep. right? Okay. And so then after Taxol, then I had my mastectomy. So, so going through, you know, both of us going through the, going through Taxol and having, you know, with you having almost no symptoms and then me having so many symptoms um i feel like we can next next episode i think we can talk about some some of the differences that we that we went through yeah i think that's a good place to stop if that's okay with you yeah absolutely Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Only Four Words podcast. If you have questions, email us at questions at onlyfourwords.com. And that's the number four. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Only Four Words podcast. And we really hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you'll tune in next time. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting us.